Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello you, welcome to episode 94A of the podcast, I guess 94.5 of the podcast, uh, I don't know, or 94B, I guess, it's, who knows, it's a bonus one anyway, I'm guessing by now you've listened to episode 94 unless you're one of the weird people who only seems to listen to the extra bonus episodes of this podcast, in which case, what do you want, who are you? don't understand anyway for those of you who have listened to episode 94 if you enjoyed my chat with dave pickering about his book mansplaining masculinity and um, then here is 20 more minutes of that chat uh about uh, more of the same stuff except not different angles of uh the effects of toxic toxic masculinity oh i find that very hard to say it's a lot of words in there isn't it um toxic masculinity and the effects of that on politics on on the effects of it on people it's it's, it's all that kind of jive uh, and it's fascinating so hopefully you will find this very interesting and of course as i mentioned on the proper podcast if you do find it interesting um, then please do um pre-order and therefore help uh sponsor dave's book at unbound.com um and also do follow him at goosefat101 on twitter and check out all his podcasts too anyway just for you here is some more dave pickering I mean, my, my personal understanding of feminism has always been fighting for equality for women. And, you know, it's it's equalising gender rather than uh, equalising the rights of, of gender rather than, you know, this kind of creates some sort of what's the, the term people use, feminazi kind of you know, domination or whatever. But it's but, but I think it's interesting you say, like talking about sort of uh, rape cases and, and sexual harassment. It, it, as far as my understanding is that were we to get an equal rights for women in that where victims are listened to and that that would eventually end up with a kind of better understanding of the whole of the thing as a whole do you know what i mean because it's very hard it's very hard for us to right now to say to talk about say the rape of men by women when there is no uh when it's disproportionately against women at the moment and once that was equal out then you can deal with it as a whole 
as well, a result. And it, That's... It, is, it is absolutely, and it is disproportionately against women, although, you know, when men are raped, it's often by other men, and that's quite a large uh, percentage of, 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 of stats too. And, 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 you know, we're seeing that in the Me Too movement. It's not just women who are, are, are speaking out about being raped by men. Like, uh, you know, we've, we've had a, a number of men uh, stand up and, 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 and share their stories, and they've been supported by women. They've been supported by feminists. No one's told them to shut up and stop talking about their their issues. I mean, with in terms of rape by by uh, cis women, and I should clarify as well that it's not just men that cis women uh, rape. Is you know, it's it's other women sometimes. It's you know, it's it's cis women, it's trans women. Uh, I know quite a few people who who are survivors of uh, rape by cis women. And the thing about that is that we don't have the stats for that adequately anyway. So it, I, I think it's undeniable that it's going to turn out if we had uh, good stats that it would be men who were the worst abusers of power and therefore the most likely to sexually harass and to rape people. However, um, I, men are told that they can't be raped, like, and women are told that men can't be raped. So that dynamic means that men are often raped without realising they're raped. Um, like, women think that pressurizing a man into sleeping with them is something that is okay because ultimately men will get into it which you know if we applied that to a woman would be a horrendous statement right um and so i think that the me too movement is super important and i i fully support it and i think it's it's really really important and i'm glad that it's happening um but eventually i like i don't want to see that movement um, become something whereby women don't interrogate their relationship to consent and how they've behaved in their sexual histories. Like, I think men need to do that really importantly right now, like, solidly. We all need to be going, like, how did I behave when I was a teenager? Was that okay? How did I behave in my 20s? Was that okay? How did I behave last night? Was that okay? We all need to be asking that. Um, all genders, but particularly men. Um, but I think all genders ultimately need to ask that of themselves. Like, I mean, and I think this is healthy. Like when you talk about generations as well, we're redefining what consent is uh, in a way that wasn't there in previous generations. They, we're, we're, we're creating a new definition um, and, and holding ourselves to a high le higher level of account um, than ever before. Um, so I hope that men men take that challenge on and, and do that rather than kind of rail against it and push back against it or feel so ashamed about some behaviours that they've done that they don't change their behaviours for the future. Like, it's it's much more important to me that people change uh, their relationship to consent um, than it is uh, for uh, us to all be uh, morally pure. Like, it doesn't... Like, if you've done bad things in the past, like... It's about what you do in the future and the present that matters. Like, we don't have to kind of completely hate ourselves and write ourselves off for our past behaviours. Like, it doesn't have to be as binary as that. Uh, we, can, we can change, we can adapt, we can grow, and we can take accountability and responsibility. And, and, and you know, that's what I want to see more men doing uh, around me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> We, we mentioned how uh, toxic masculinity is in American politics, but do you see it in... Uh, and I realise that I'm doing the thing that you said earlier where people say, oh, other countries have <laughs> problems with the patriarchy, but right. not ours. But do you see it in British politics in the same way? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I think it's OK to, to, to do that with uh, America because, you know, we, we are a big part of what made America. Like, our cultures are, are connected through colonialism. But, but yeah... Um, 
in terms of the UK, I think it does operate in a different way. Like, patriarchy here is the stiff upper lip, right? It is this idea of, like, you know, codifying behavior, not showing emotion. That's very much kind of something that is very British in its kind of origins, I think, in, in a lot of ways, like not being physical with other people. Like even in some of those countries that people like to point at, like men still hold hands or whatever, whereas in the UK, um, men would not hold hands in the street. Like our, our patriarchy is very specific uh, to our country and our culture. And it it's shown in our politics, like Boris Johnson, uh, Brexit mentality. We can go it alone. We can be on our own, like, ha, 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 let's have some banter. Won't that be fun? We don't have to actually feel or be sincere. We can just kind of, like, ha, 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 chuckle it all off. Like, so I think, you know, Boris Johnson and Brexit are very much kind of in line with a patriarchal kind of view of uh, of the world or, like, creating patriarchal systems. Um, and And, you know, like... Again, like I, I could say, you know, a definition of Kiriaki uh, is, you know, Boris Johnson as well. Like he's he's very much like all of the systems of oppression in one handy, floppy-haired man. Um, but I've been like, generally speaking, are, you know, it's 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 also important to say that like uh, patriarchy isn't just something that's on the right. Like men are. Uh, in power and at the top of all of the political parties. Like, <clears throat> Jeremy Corbyn is doing much better, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying that he as an individual isn't quite anti-patriarchal. He, he kind of is, and I do support that. But it's important to remember that, like, patriarchy is within all of our political climate. It's within the way that our press talks. It's, it's in prime minister's questions. I mean, what is more kind of patriarchal than, like, all of those, like, men, mostly men, a few women going, <laughs> like, you know, like all of that sort of like uh, my partner works in schools and she says it's very much like, you know, when when you look at the par prime minister's questions or, or parliament in general, it's very much like a bunch of children shouting at each other. Um, <laughs> but I think that's kind of like that kind of does does a disservice to children in a way. Like, I think it's 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 a bunch of adults uh, socialised within a patriarchal oh, system yeah. shouting at each other, which is even worse. There was a moment... Um, um, like, uh, sorry to interrupt. There was a moment a few no, months no, ago, which I don't know if you remember, which uh, just uh, made me laugh for far too long, but simply the Parliament were arguing about 16-year-olds getting the vote, and uh, I believe it was someone on the Conservative side said, oh, they're not mature enough to have the vote, and then was back by... Rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> and I, right. This is the most ridiculous thing to be witness to, <laughs> commenting on the right. immature of children while then barking like some sort of weird animal uh, for several I know. minutes. I mean, it, it is. And, and, and you know, I, I, for me, like, even though, like, Boris Johnson or Brexit or even Theresa May, Theresa May is a good example of patriarchal leadership. Like, like her attitude is very much, like, about, like, uh, showing strength. I mean, not that she manages to achieve showing strength, but she tries to, in her rhetoric, show strength. Um, and sort of push other people down and like kind of create hierarchies and uh, and all of those things. Which so I think you know, and, and in terms of her policies as well, her policies hurt women um, a lot in lots of ways. You know, Yarlswood and uh, many other things are on Theresa May's hands. Um, but 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 like so like I. Boris Johnson or Theresa May are the obvious go-to people to sort of talk about uh, in terms of the UK. 
But I mean, also, it's important to remember that there are people like Philip Davis, uh, the the you know the worst MP in the world who are in the UK, and he is you know he is a men's rights activist, um, and you know he does like he insisted on having a debate about men in Parliament. But when that debate happened, he didn't use it to actually address men's issues. Um, he used it to kind of point score and be patriarchal in himself, and in fact the things he's done in terms of policy or in terms of uh, advocating for policies have, have been things that would directly hurt men, like um, policies against equal marriage. That's anti-men because it means that men can't marry other men. Um, policies like the, against poor people are anti-men because it means that poor men uh, suffer from those, uh, from those policies. And like, if you actually look at like Philip Davis's voting history and the things that he says, and even the things that Glenn Poole, who uh, created International Men's Day in this country, um, the things that they say. Um, are anti-men. Like, the International Men's Day website for this country quite often says has loads of rhetoric on it that I think is very anti-men. Like, it talks about real men. It talks about manning up. Like, the, the opposite kind of things that you should expect from anybody that's trying to kind of encourage uh, a change for men uh, in the way that we live. Um, so, yeah, like, the, the, you know, patriarchy is, is very much woven into the British political uh, system. I mean, and you see this, like, you know, in question time, too. I mean, or, like, you know, any... All of these ideas that are kind of framed as, like, reasonable, objective debate. Like, all of those are just code words for... Uh, do it in a certain way and be and look like you know be a certain kind of person while you're having that debate and then you're okay but if you're anybody else then oh, oh that's not the way to debate it that's not the way to behave um so there's so there's all sorts of like complicated kind of patriarchal pressures i think within our media within our politics in this country um that again are invisible because we're so used to them like you know like it just as, as far as you know, the, the silly rituals that they have wearing wigs coming in to the to, to Parliament, you know, that's that's very much a kind of codified uh, ma ma masculine um, idea. Like, yeah, it's a different form of masculinity because there's lots of forms of, of masculinity. You know, you can be patriarchal and be someone with glasses who's well known for being an, an academic, and you can be patriarchal and be a bodybuilder. You know, the, 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 there are different forms of masculinity that give you power, and one of them is politician, and one of them is, you know, wearing a judge's wig. You know, our, our legal system is entirely patriarchal too. I mean, not to say that there aren't women who are judges, but the majority of judges are men, and all of the judges w are more likely to be patriarchal because that's how you become a judge. It's the same way that Theresa May is a patriarchal leader because women are rewarded for being patriarchal within patriarchy. Like, that's how it works. So the, the, you know, the way that she got to be uh, the second uh, woman leader of the country is like the first woman leader of the country to be a complete patriarchal bastard. Um, people like that. Uh, the Tory party like to have a patriarch that they can call mother. Um, and uh, they, they got one. Uh, or mummy, I guess. That's what they, they were. The, uh, the cabinet called Theresa May, I believe, um, in the days before she became the leader. Yeah. <laughs> so grim. Um, it is so To conclude, um, firstly, can you tell people how they donate to the, uh, the making of your book, uh, which is on, on its way, I believe? 
Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah. So, the my book is being uh, published through Unbound, who are half of a publishing, co- like half a publishing company and half a crowdfunding platform. Which means, you know, they approached me and they want to publish the book and they believe in the book and it will be properly edited and it's not self-publishing. But in order for it to actually happen, it needs to be funded uh, by people who want to bu- buy the book. So, in essentially, you're not, uh, you know, you're not giving charity; you're pre-ordering a book. Um, and so the main re- way that people can fund it is just by going over to the Unbound page for Mansplaining Masculinity and uh, signing, like clicking to buy the book. You can, for £10, you can buy a digital copy. So that's uh, something that's available for people who don't have very much money, which I, I, I'm always a big believer in that. But if you have more money than that, you can order a, a hardback for £25 and then on top of that, there are a number of different pledge levels, you know, that work a little bit like crowdfunding campaigns generally do. So there's options that will give you kind of extra things that you could have. Like I'll do, uh, there's a, you know, option for me to kind of do tutoring for you in true storytelling, which is something that I work within. Um, there's some options for like me doing an, an audio book, personalized audio book for people. Um, and there's, there's, there's different options like that, but there's also corporate options. So if anybody knows any, any company that wants to detoxify their masculinity, um, then send them over to that page. And, uh, for, for, a for a bit more money than, than buying a book, they can, well, quite a bit more money because they're a corporation. They can have me come into their organization do the show, do some workshops with them uh, to try and help them to change the culture uh, within their within their corporation. So there's there's lots of different options, and there's also like I've got like um, options for if you want to buy books to be donated to local libraries. There's an option for that, and there's also like a. a, a, a a special kind of what I call a cookie champion option where you just pay more money basically because you want to get rid of patriarchy and support the book, uh, like a political action uh, where you're not being rewarded particularly, apart from I will send you a packet of cookies. Um, but but apart from that, like that's a, like a, just a kind of pat on the head option, which, you know, which, you know, some some men do seem to want uh cookies and, and, and a pat on the head and I thought it would be important to give them that option so, to be fair I'm quite sad I, I, I sadly went for the digital option because uh, self-employed but but I really yeah, wish I'd gone for the cookies <laughs> and a pat on the head because that is right up my street uh, and I'm also very tempted to go and just put anonymous uh, notes into our local Foxtons about getting them to uh, get you to uh, detoxically uh, you know <laughs> de- demasculise right. detoxify yeah that's it <laughs> it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So one, one final question, which is a question I ask everyone on this podcast, um, which is simply that apart from yourself um, and obviously your upcoming book, who else uh, would you recommend that people follow or listen to or check out just on, well, not just a sort of alternative approaches to masculinity, but also on gender politics in general? Yeah, I mean, this was like, wow. I mean, it's, it's such a question because, I mean, like I could recommend people forever and I still would not have recommended a- enough people. I mean, basically anybody who's not me is probably a little bit better. Uh, like, like, well, anybody who's kind of not a man uh, often uh, have more interesting things to say uh, on gender than, than I do. But there are so many uh, great people and, and, and places that I would suggest people look into. So, first of all, I would, thought I would recommend a few articles. Um, so, there's Sex Redefined by Claire Ainsworth that appeared in Nature back in 2015. If people want to find out about the science stuff I was mentioning, that's a really great place to start. Um, more recently, there was an article by Emma Pittman called Misogyny is a Human Pyramid that I thought was amazing. Um, then The Memification of Misandry by Charlotte Shane is a really great article. Um, then, you know, finally recommending a man, uh, International Men's Day, What Are We Celebrating by Shane Thomas that came out on Media Diversified back in uh, 2015 is really worth checking out. And for people who don't think nerds can be uh, patriarchal, Your Princess is in Another Castle, Misogyny, Entitlement and Nerds by Arthur Chu is really great. Um, <clears throat> so those are some like articles to check out. In terms of thinkers, like Bell Hooks, I think is really worth checking out. Um, her, her book, Men, Masculinity and Love, uh, well, no, uh, her book, A Will to Change, men masculinity and love was a massive influence on my show it was the starting point in many ways for a lot of my thinking about gender and bell hooks is still going although i don't always agree with her views now because she's like from a different generation and is is still kind of taking her like like all of us she is developing she is like learning and there are things that she hasn't learned as quickly on as others but bell hooks is super worth checking out and um, and and a great kind of womanist feminist uh, voice um, then there's Ali Fogg in terms of men. He's a great person writing about um, masculinity. He, he has a blog called Het Pat for Men, which is kind of a, 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 a kind of spin on the Calvin Klein advert. Um, and he, uh, but his, his writing about men is really important. Masculinities and feminism is really important. Um, I would recommend. Uh, if you want to know more about consent, the best people to find out about that from are Meg, John and Justin, um, who are sex advice uh, people uh, and, and uh, you know academics and educators in their own right 
separately, but when they come together, they've got a book out called Enjoy Sex, How, When, and If You Want To, which I would massively recommend. Uh, in terms of uh, a trans woman that says amazing things about gender, people should check out uh, Julia Serrano. Uh, if you want a man that makes videos that are engaging and uh, like less academic in some ways than the sorts of stuff I say, uh, then check out Pop Culture Detective, who makes brilliant videos about like, that will ruin Harrison Ford movies for you for the rest of your life. <laughs> I've seen that um, one, But yeah. <laughs> are, are worth checking out. Um, Rebecca Solnit, I have to mention, because she uh, is great, but also because uh, Mansplaining, which is part of the title of my show, um, came from her work. Uh, she didn't coin the phrase, I believe, but it came from her essay, uh, Men Explain Things to Me. Uh, she's really worth checking out. In terms of thinking about intersectionality and how that affects gender, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined, well, came up with the original kind of research that intersectionality theories are kind of generally based on. She's worth checking out. Like, if you don't like to read stuff, she's got loads of, like, audio and video things on, online, so do check them out. Um, if you, again, a man who's really worth following, who says, you know, really interesting things, both about gender and about race uh, and, and other intersections, uh, is uh, at Absurdist Words on Twitter. And then uh, finally, from my kind of people to recommend, I would say like uh, Girl on the Net, who writes about sex, but also about gender and, and, and sexism and feminism. You know, check out her. Uh, anything published on The Establishment, which is a, an American feminist uh, news site, I would recommend. And then, you know, let's not forget listening to trans women and non-binary women. Uh, no, let's not forget listening to trans women and non-binary people. Um, and for those kind of writers, I would definitely recommend checking out Janet Mock, Paris Lees, C.N. Lester, Sean Fay, and Travis, uh, and Travis Alabanza. Those were the four that immediately came to mind. But there's plenty of other people that people should check out. Uh, and also, I would like to kind of give a, a nod to mainstream grappling with being a man. Like, just because I'm very much into... Uh, you know, thinking about the theory and the, the kind of political elements of deconstructing masculinity, I think it's important to, like, remember uh, the more kind of generalised versions of that, like Grayson Perry or, um, oh, God, what's his name? Um, Robert Webb as well, like, people like that who are starting to kind of look at uh, masculinity. I don't always agree with those. I don't always agree with most of the people I'm recommending. But I think, you know, any form of, of of grappling with these issues is a is a good start like i don't i don't believe in kind of political purity i think that it's good for men however they start to th start thinking about what it is to be a man and you know with that in mind as well there's the being a man festival that happens at the south bank every year you'll hear some really interesting perspectives on being a man and masculinity there and also any men who are listening to this who who are kind of feeling like potentially suicidal or have mental health issues, do check out Calm, the campaign against living miserably that I mentioned earlier on. Although, again, I don't always like their branding, the way that they, the way that they present themselves, but I can't deny that they do amazingly important work that men massively benefit from. And so do support them if you can as well, uh, anyone who's listening. 
So uh, there you go. Bonus Dave. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, and if you didn't, wow, you sat through a lot of it. So that's weird. Um, anyway, obviously, if you do enjoy that and you enjoy uh, the normal podcast from which this bonus did stem, uh, then please do donate to the patreon.com forward slash parpolbro, the ko-fi, ko-fi.com forward slash parpolbro, um, and review the show and say nice things about it and tell your nan, all that sort of stuff. Um, and maybe this will be back next week. Maybe not who knows there may be more bonus stuff at some point uh, and by bonus i mean oh god this podcast is too long for your lives i may as well throw in some extra just to take up all your ear time anyway uh that is all for now goodbye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.